0: Good evening. This is Pastor Ed Collins at North Christian Church. Um, this evening's message is part 66 of "The Lord Is Our Confidence." Um, I don't normally record announcements, but given this temporary format, I thought I'd include them this first time around. Uh, just some housekeeping for those of you uh, who listen in remotely and/or aren't official members of our local assembly. Uh, The reason for this change in format is as follows. As most of you know, especially local folks, Governor Baker from Massachusetts uh, mandated um, assemblies of 25 people or more uh, to close until further notice. And so uh, this is our temporary services schedule. This is what it looks like. Uh, There aren't going to be any physical classes for the time being until uh, further notified by Governor Baker. Uh, Church will reopen once this coronavirus ban is lifted. Uh, So the temporary services are as follows. Um, I'm going to record messages and post them on the website. Uh, Same schedule as before, uh, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. Or prior, you might be able to check in early and uh, notice that I've actually um, recorded and posted uh, a message early. But hopefully uh, it will be those same times uh, and not later. Uh, so that should keep you sort of in the saddle in terms of uh, your schedules. Also, the the podcast will be updated as well. Uh, so that's there's no change there. Uh, blogs will maintain traditional schedules. So you should see those on Fridays and they go out in the emailers on Saturday morning. So no change there. Uh, the other change is that there's not going to be any women's or men's Bible studies Um while this uh, ban is in effect, obviously, because we use the church, will not have you. Uh, and then um, relative to the Thursday uh, prayer warriors, um, I asked uh, Jim Merchant, who runs that, to uh, just send updates to individuals on the team and have them pray privately for the time being. Uh, just a couple of uh, additional announcements. Uh, do keep uh, the ill in prayer. Uh, and then during this time, obviously, the fearful. A lot of people are scared right now. Uh, a lot of people are, uh, are lost still, and they don't, uh, since they don't have Christ. Uh, personally, I don't know how people do it um, with all the mayhem and the the, the fear mongering and everything else. So just pray for them. Uh, maybe God can use all this for good uh, to His glory, and we can have additional brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, also, uh, just a friendly reminder: uh, don't forget to support the church financially. Bills. Keep on rolling in, guys. Uh, You know, mortgage doesn't go anywhere. Salaries are the same. Uh, We even have to heat the church uh, to some degree so pipes don't freeze. Uh, You know, uh, uh, inspections uh, still happen. You know, security, fire, uh, those kinds of things. All all the same bills. Um, And then also another friendly reminder, just uh, have your Bible ready before continuing. So one of the nice things about a recording is you can pause it if you forgot to get your Bible. Go get it now, because it's going to be just like I'm teaching from the pulpit. Uh, I've just got a temporary pulpit at this point. So again, uh, I won't normally do that, but with that said, uh, let's dig in. All right, let's bow our heads in prayer. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for gathering us together in this unique way, uh, during this unique time, Father. We know that you've ordained everything from eternity past, that really there's no real reason to fear, Father, it's... Um, a time even to bring glory to you, to, to reveal as lights of the world um, our constitution, our confidence in your Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, your Son. Father, we do pray for those in the congregation that are still ill, uh, that um, this message find them um, and encourage their spirits uh, and know that uh, even though we're all separated at this point. We're all one in spirit. Uh, We pray also for those that are still lost in this world. Again, maybe we use, or maybe you use this uh, time uh, to bring them back, or to you uh, even. Uh, We are most grateful and thankful, of course, um, for your son's work on the cross to make, even in a time like this, uh, a time to rejoice. What a blessing this is, Father. Thank you for him and thank you for giving us the provision this day to be able to study your word uh, this way we do just ask for your blessings on this message and we ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name by the power of the spirit we do pray amen Uh, it's interesting uh, that the first principle in my notes from uh, last message relates directly to the current resiliency of this message Uh, and it's from uh, Scott Grande's Uh, mini series on eternal assurance and this was it Uh, contextual biblical teaching from the pulpit Uh, and again this is my pulpit for now and for the next couple of weeks for the foreseeable future Um, but contextual biblical teaching from the pulpit along with daily reading our bibles protects us from the lies of insecurity and if you're listening to this message i applaud you for finding your way to the truth Um, As the Spirit's been teaching us for years now, true believers in Christ thirst for the truth. Uh, We don't just, quote, like it or prefer it. We thirst for it. We hunger for it. Uh, Go in your Bibles to Matthew 5, verse 6. Matthew 5, verse 6. Again, the point is that uh, true believers in Christ, we thirst for the truth. Um, And so this point on the board Contextual biblical teaching from the pulpit, along with daily reading our Bibles, it protects us from the lies of insecurity. And so this is how uh, the good Lord equips us, uh, and we are hunger to be protected that way. Uh, Matthew 5, 6 reads, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Those are our Lord's words, of course, should be red letters in most of your Bibles. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. There are two parts of this verse verse that I'd like to amplify. Uh, First is the phrase, for righteousness. Uh, Humans thirst for all kinds of things, uh, many, frankly, of which have zero ability to satisfy our needs. Granted, they may quench certain desires, but they won't ever result in the blessings that Jesus was uh, speaking of there. Again, we thirst for all kinds of things, uh, but most of the, many of the things we thirst for have zero ability to satisfy our needs, certainly not uh, grant us blessings. So they quench certain desires, but they won't ever result in the blessings that Jesus is pointing out here in verse 6 of Matthew 5. Again, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for righteousness sake. In other words, uh, that's tantamount to saying, blessed are those who are obedient, who hunger for obedience, for they shall be satisfied. So the second point of emphasis here is be satisfied. It's from the Greek word hertatso. It means generally to gorge, to be satisfied, to gorge, supply food in abundance. Of course, Jesus Christ said he is the very bread of life. And so he's what we dine on. He is the Word. He is the Logos. He's the Truth. That is our sustenance, and that's our meal, uh, and that's how we are satisfied. So from the Greek word hortazo it means to gorge, supply food in abundance. In this case, it's our spiritual food uh, to f- uh, feed, to fill, to satisfy. So hopefully you get the sense, I'm just sipping my tea here, Hopefully you get the sense of what Jesus was getting at here. Um, This is why, uh, on occasion, it's good to go to the original language uh, from time to time uh, for the sake of emphasis, when the English language or the English translation just doesn't seem to cut it. Again, the the verses, uh, verse 6 of Matthew 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be... Satisfied and recall the instigating principle was that true believers in Christ thirst for the truth. We don't just quote like it or prefer it, we thirst for it, we have a hunger for it, uh, we thirst for righteousness. As Jesus said, and when we do, we're blessed. When we do, we're blessed. More practically speaking. We are uh, pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, This is what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness. He is the embodiment, the very manifestation of righteousness. So practically speaking, uh, we are pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Let's go to John 6.32 now. John 6.32, uh, where Jesus speaks again on this topic John 6.32, and I love uh, that last verse in uh, Matthew uh, 5.6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They're blessed. Those people are blessed with a full belly, if you would, uh, spiritually speaking. Uh, John 6.32, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Uh, verse 60, uh, 633, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, but whoever, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And You see how this dovetails into Matthew uh, 5 verse 6. So the principal litmus test for every believer in Christ really is a thirst for him personally, a thirst for him personally. Uh, we are the blessed ones. We are the ones that are satisfied when we have this thirst and he quenches it uniquely. So the principal litmus test, again, for every believer in Christ is a thirst for him. That's what we're looking for. Uh, that's sort of our reassurance, our uh, a portion, if you would, of our confidence in him. So it's what it's not. It's not the precepts that he taught that are captured in the Word of Truth. Strictly speaking, uh, it's not just knowing the Word. It's knowing Him. It's not just pursuing doctrines. Let's say in the Word of God. It's pursuing Him. So remember, um, and that's our thirst, right? And that's one of the litmus tests for a true believer. Is we thirst for a relationship with Him, not just you know biblical knowledge. Uh, even the Pharisees did that. Go to um, John 5.39 in your Bibles. John 5.39. We see that the Pharisees got this point wrong. And Jesus Christ pointed it out quite plainly. John 5.39. Again, he is the bread of life. uh, A true believer thirsts and hungers for a relationship with him. Uh, As we read earlier, that person is blessed in their pursuit and they're also satisfied when they get what they're, uh, they're after. So John 5.39, uh, you, ser- you search the scriptures, Jesus speaking to uh, the Pharisees or the Jews. Uh, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me. Uh, that you may have life. And so you see that they were wrong uh, in their approach. They didn't have a thirst for him. They had a thirst for knowledge. They had a thirst for religiosity and all the uh, the evil things that go with that. And so the religious prototype is the religious Jew. Uh, they knew uh, Holy Scripture, but they didn't know Jesus. So the religious Jews knew Holy Scripture but didn't know Jesus. They are the prototype for religious folks today who, you know, read their Bibles, go to church, and they, quote, do all the right things. And yet, they similarly, in the same fashion as the Jews of old, they refuse to come to Jesus. That's what we saw in John 5.40. They don't have a thirst for him. They have a thirst for knowledge, for doctrine, Uh, etc. So contrary to that, though, is a true believer in Christ who could never be satisfied with this type of religion. In fact, I don't know about you all, but the more I mature in the faith, the more repulsive religion becomes to me. Um, So just to put a wrapper on this thought, based on holy scripture, it's fair to say that a true believer thirsts and hungers For Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. Practically speaking, this means that when any of you read your Bible, the end goal is to increase or improve, let's say, your understanding of Christ and therefore your relationship with him. That's the point that Jesus made with the religious Jews. He said, you went to Scripture um, to, to be satisfied, but satisfaction comes in me. And that's what we we noted in Matthew uh, 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who pursue righteousness. Uh, Him, in other words, they shall be satisfied. And so practically speaking, when we do something like we're doing right now, studying the Word of God, reading our Bibles, uh, the end game is uh, an improved uh, understanding of Christ and therefore uh, an improved relationship with Him. Um, It's not... Just for the sake of, for a balance statement here, it's not a work that you do, though, so please don't become confused. Um, This good labor that we believers um, have is simply to show up with a humble heart, and that's really the extent of our part in this. So does that mean that you might have to forego sitting in a warm, food-filled church in North Titan Mass for two to three weeks? Well... Apparently, the answer is yes. Uh, Just a side note on that too. Um, I'll share with you all what I shared with a couple of folks this past week, following the news from Governor Baker and his shutdown, what have you. Uh, You can look at our current situation in two ways. You can moan and groan and make excuses as to, you know, why this is so evil and stupid and unnecessary and blah, blah, blah. Or, or you can see through the lens of the one who positively ordained this situation for every last one of us. Let me repeat that. Or, you can see through the lens of the one who absolutely, positively ordained this situation for everyone hearing my voice right now, the question really then is a matter of maturity, frankly speaking. Uh, and by the way, you are called to imitate my faith. Remember that on the board. Hebrews thirteen seven says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you, the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. That's why he has me share those things. I'm certainly not perfect. But I think on this front, I have the right perspective. It's the godly perspective. And I'm uh, set free because of it. So here's your chance. Uh, I'll give you a, a hint of where my soul is with this whole coronavirus stuff on the topic of the coronavirus. Here's what I have to say on it I don't control history, Jesus Christ does. I'll roll with the punches and let Him worry about the details. I'm alive. I'm confident. And best of all, I have peace. That's the way we ought to look at the coronavirus. I mean, who cares if the, you know, everybody else in the world thinks the sky is falling. It's ridiculousness. It's just panic. It's, uh, you know, who knows, six months from now, it'll be the next thing. Uh, it's always something because people live in fear because they don't have what we have. We don't, They don't have that thirst for truth. They don't have the the blessing of being satisfied of having the peace that he promised us. Again, just food for thought. And you're called to imitate my faith. This is what helps me. I don't control history. That's a fact. Jesus Christ does. That's a fact. So I'll roll with the punches and let him worry about the details. It's what he wants from us anyways. He says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I'm alive. I'm talking to you. <laughs> uh, I'm confident. You'll have to take my word on that. And best of all, I have peace. Go to John 14, 27. John 14, 27. You know, Jesus' words were never vapid. There, when we John 14, 27. When we read the Bible, the whole idea, again, is to build this relationship with him and have confidence. Remember the, the title of our series is The Lord is Our Confidence. John 14, 27. Well, this, this should help, right? He said, peace I leave with you my peace I give to you. Not even another piece. He says, my peace. Think about the peace that he had in time in his mind. We have the mind of Christ when we have the word of God in our souls. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And so that's really um, the substance behind the point on the board. So my advice to you is to see past the white noise. Uh, don't get mad uh, and don't be anxious either. And don't let the world convince you that you shouldn't abide in the peace that Christ has promised you. So that's all I'm going to say on that topic for now. Um, let's get back to our primary course of study. Again, here's the first principle from my notes from uh, last the last message we had. And again, it started with, Uh, A mini-series, a a point from that mini-series on Eternal Assurance. And it reads, contextual biblical teaching from the pulpit, along with daily reading our Bibles, protects us from the lies of insecurity. As I mentioned on Sunday, we live in a world that literally functions on the basis of lies. Literally functions. Put that into perspective, folks, Right literally functions it's the it's the you know it's the engine if you would uh it's the uh, it's the infrastructure of the world it's all lies so get we just have to get this through our heads right we live in a world that literally functions on the basis of lies it's not like what the reason I'm putting so much emphasis on this is because it's not it's not just a world that has lies in it. <clears throat> it's a world that functions on lies. It wouldn't if, if all the lies were, you know, magically pulled out, it would it would cease to function. It, it would create new lies. It's the only thing it knows. And so you have to think of it that way. The Bible, uh, for obvious reasons, is chock full of warnings against this very truth because you know what? Even as believers, we aren't infallible. We're human, which means we have weaknesses. To think otherwise is to be arrogant. And you know what? Arrogance is what leaves you unprotected. Arrogance is what robs you of that peace we just noted earlier. So if we're humble, we think the way Paul thought. Go to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. Again, uh, we live in a world that literally functions on the basis of lies. The Bible is chock full of warnings, because we're weak, and we're not infallible. Uh, and we have a tendency towards arrogance, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And as I said earlier, arrogance leaves us unprotected. So we need to be humble the way Paul was humble here in uh, 2 Corinthians twelve nine. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's what Jesus told Paul. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Uh, look around right? Look what's going on. I mean, even if it's just white noise, uh, uh, it's it's something real, there's something going on. Um, there's you know certain hardships that um, precipitate out of, uh, even silliness or or even, you know, minor things that are going on like, uh, you know, a, a, a cold or a flu-like virus. Um, so anyways, he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the perspective. That's the humble perspective um, that we need to take. And that's what true humility looks like, my friends. Uh, remember this. Again, the folly of arrogance. Arrogance leaves you unprotected it's like it's like having a full suit of armor for example that which we see in you know Ephesians 6 11, take up the full armor of God right uh, or Philippians 4 6 to 7 that we'll see in a moment it's like having a full suit of armor and taking it off in the midst of battle when you need it the most that's the ridiculousness of arrogance we've got every um Ability, if you would, with the Word of God to be equipped with the Word of God—that's my job. Uh, Ephesians, uh, what is it? Four, eleven, and twelve. Uh, to equip the saints, right? To do this thing. The last thing you want to do is get arrogant and take the armor off, right? Say, "Oh, I don't need the protection from the Word of God. I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to go to Bible class. There's no, you know, there's no there's no more uh, face-to-face teaching for like two or three weeks. I'm not going. This is bull." Uh, that's garbage thinking, that's ridiculous arrogance, and it's petty, and it's going to leave you unprotected. That's the point. So again, arrogance leaves you unprotected. It's like having a full suit of armor and taking it off in the midst of battle, which is asinine when you need it the most. Go to Philippians 4.6. We're pretty comfortable Ephesians 6.11, but Philippians 4.6, a little more subtle, but it's the same idea. Uh, Again, this is the folly of arrogance, like having a suit of armor and taking it off in the midst of battle. Philippians 4, verse 6. I'm going to grab some tea here. Um, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4, 7. In the peace of God. You ready? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's what the peace of God does. Uh, Blessed is the one who pursues righteousness. They shall be satisfied. Uh, We are to pursue his peace in him. And that peace protects us. When we get arrogant, uh, when we lose that pursuit, um, that humble pursuit, That's when we drop our guard. That's when we are left unprotected. It's just ridiculousness. Again, the point on the board, the folly of arrogance. Arrogance leaves you unprotected. It's like having a full suit of armor and taking it off in the midst of battle when you need it most. So let's look at one other passage of Holy Scripture on the topic of humility and peace. Go to 1 Corinthians 1.25. 1 Corinthians 1.25. Again, just to amplify this point a little bit further, 1 uh, Corinthians 1.25. 1 um, Corinthians one twenty five reads, For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Just a friendly reminder, consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, as it is written, let no one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. In other words, that's another way of saying uh, this is what humility looks like. Anyone who boasts, you boast in the Lord. right? When I am weak, then I am strong. When I'm boasting in the Lord, that's when I'm strong. That's when I have the the peace that, that garrisons my heart. Um, and then, of course, the, the contrary to that is arrogance that destroys uh, those things. As I alluded to earlier in tonight's message, um, the good labor for we believers is to simply show up with a humble heart. And again, all of that came from the opening point of review from Sunday's message which reads contextual biblical teaching from the pulpit, along with daily reading our Bibles, protects us from the lies of insecurity. So we need to press on now to another point of confidence. On Sunday we read, if you remember, we read uh, John 10, the the chapter. Uh, it's such a magnificent passage, definitely one of my favorites, if you can... Uh, Say that, um, but it highlights our confidence in Christ a la series titled The Lord is Our Confidence. I just want to review a very small portion of that. Go to John 10, verse 14. John 10, verse 14. Again, just a review of Sunday's message. And if you're ever feeling sort of morose, Or down, I certainly encourage you to read chapter 10, the whole chapter like we did. It's just so encouraging, so wonderful. John 10, verse 14, though, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. My own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The point here the point of focus here for tonight is I know my own and my own know me. So think of confidence folks, right? Think of peace, think of contentment, think of the pursuit of righteousness, knowing that Jesus Christ the Messiah it's not like you you know it's it's not like you know a swell guy, you know the president of this or that or the president of the United States or whatever. It's not like you know a, a really good guy. This is the Messiah Right, so knowing that Jesus Christ the Messiah knows you personally is such a tremendous blessing, and to know him in return intimately is simply divine. Um, again, let me read this I know my own, and my own know me. Don't get familiar with this, especially as a believer, you have a right um, to just hold on to this with every fiber of your being. Knowing that Jesus Christ the Messiah knows you personally is such a tremendous blessing. Uh, And to know him in return intimately is simply divine. Again, look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. To truly, you know, quote, know that you are one of Jesus's sheep is among the greatest blessings we can ever know in time, it is light, it's truth, and therefore, my friends, it is good. And that is uh, really echoes of a verse that's been coming from this pulpit for close to a decade now. Uh, you know, I call it seeing it all as truth. Just knowing that Jesus Christ knows you, knowing that you know Him through the Word of God, through the study, through doing what we're doing uh, right now, uh, it's all beautiful. It's all freeing. It all brings peace. Uh, that is that pursuit of righteousness. That's why we're blessed and that's why we're satisfied. Uh, we dine on the very uh, uh, the, the bread of life, the, the word of God. We see it all as truth and that is light in itself and that is good. Ephesians 5, 13, 14a. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is Light. Hence, this is our recurring principle as of late. I even wrote a blog on it. Every circumstance in life is a spiritual one. To say that, you know, think of it this way, practically speaking, to say that the, the Word of God, which is light, will will somehow refract away from parts of our lives is folly. We might want it to, but it doesn't do that. Go get a flashlight uh, uh, from your closet and, and shine it on the floor and see if any part of the floor somehow isn't lit up. Light doesn't work that way. Light, light shines in every possible place, you see. And therefore, if we apply the light, the word of God, to our lives, it shines in every part of our lives. We can try to play a game and say, oh, I don't, it's not lit up over here. Or it is and you sort of cover your eyes. You sort of put a blanket over it or you try to hide it somehow. It's um, It's folly. Every circumstance in life is a spiritual one. It's all lit up by the word of truth. And if you want it, you can see it, and you're set free by it, and you're blessed by it, uh, and you even you even receive blessings such as peace and contentment. So that's where we ended on Sunday. Uh, we need to press on a little further in our ascension out of this deep dive. What is this, part 68, I think now? Out of this deep dive, out of the mine shaft, um, So let me ask you a simple question, though, to get us situated. And you you have to concentrate on this uh, a bit. Do you love the world and the things in it? This this really does relate very much to our confidence in Christ, the peace that we have, the blessings that we receive. Um, Do you love the world and the things in it? Do you? It's a fair question for me to ask because... As J. Vernon McGee would say, your actions speak so loud, excuse me, I don't hear a word you're saying. Your actions speak so loud, I don't hear a word you're saying. The Bible teaches us that an extreme case of this describes an unbeliever. An extreme case of this describes an unbeliever. Go to 1 John 2.15. 1 John 2.15. We know that we can often glean... Um, doctrinal truth uh, from particular contexts like this one, even though uh, presumably we're not unbelievers, the truth about certain situations and doctrines uh, is applicable to believers as well. Again, 1 John 2 verse 15. What does it say? John wrote, do not love the world or the things in the world. I could have stopped there, right? I mean, that's enough doctrine for us. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, and this is a habitual, you know, I love the world, uh, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Let's put that again. For all that is in the world. Did we not start off this with this message this way? everything for all in this world for all that is in this world the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life uh, is not from the father but is from the world we started off this way all that is in the world the entire world functions functions literally on lies that's all that's in the world right It's not from the Father, but it's from the world. Verse 17, And the world is passing away, along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, uh, but they were not of us. And he's describing a situation where people left the local assembly, Why? For if they had been of us, in other words, if they had been believers, if they had been brothers and sisters in Christ, if they had a thirst and a hunger for Jesus, maybe not just, you know, uh, the words per se, uh, not just learning doctrine, not just being religious. If they had been of us, if they had been one of us, they would have continued with us because we're family. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. They all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. Again, I ask without challenging the status of your salvation, that's not my intention uh, here. uh, Again, the the point here on the board, uh, do you love the world and the things in it? If you answered no to the question on the board, then I ask you, why is it that you don't have perfect peace, that you don't have perfect peace. Why is it that just yesterday you were complaining about not having enough darn toilet paper or spaghetti or spaghetti sauce or bread or whatever else the crazed citizens of Massachusetts bought up in their state of frenzy? Why is having to adjust to something the Lord God ordained from eternity past so stinking catastrophic for you? What is the problem? You said you didn't love the world. What's the problem then? Why is having to adjust to something the Lord God ordained from eternity past so catastrophic for you? Why are some of you so anxious and, and others so angry? Why are you wasting your precious time... Here on earth, concerning yourselves with things outside of your control. Why have you bought so many lies, I ask you? 1 John 4.1 in the message. My dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Have you watched the news lately? The sky is falling. Don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. So here's the question. Is it possible? I mean, be honest, right? We're we're here to be humble. We're here to, to, to dine on truth, to have light shined in our hearts, right? Is it possible that you've grown accustomed to your life of privilege? Is it possible that you've lost sight of the things that really matter? in this life and god's uh god's really trying to make you or trying to wake you up is that possible you've lost sight of the things that really matter and god's maybe trying to wake you up is it possible that you really do love the world at least to some degree because your misery is derived from this ungodly affection for temporal things seriously bread spaghetti All right, I'll give you toilet paper. (laughs) But seriously, the things we're complaining about? I'll bring up a point of review now and let it sink in. But before I do, I want to remind you that God is the reason. This is hard for some people to accept, but this is the truth. God ordains everything. I want to remind you that God is the reason why this coronavirus is doing whatever it's doing in your life. God's allowed it. It's God that you have to turn to for guidance during your time of so-called, let's call it, inconvenience. It's certainly not the news. We are not called to turn to the news. We are called to turn to our best friend. We are called to turn to him. All right, here's that point of review. It's a secular proverb, and it came out, uh, oh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. So you don't really know someone... Until you say no to them, I want you to turn that on yourself now. All right? Don't just say, oh, yeah, that, you know, Joe, my, my neighbor, he's such a, I knew I knew that he was a a, a bad guy. You know, all I, I had to do was just say no to him when he wanted to, you know, borrow my lawnmower or something. Look at how he acted. He's such a jerk. Now, I want you to turn around, I want you to turn this on yourself right now. You, you're the one who God is saying no to, okay? So, you don't really know someone until you say no to them. I think that's agreeable. You say, I want my life back, right? The one with the full grocery store shelves. I want to be able to go out to eat at a restaurant. I want my church to be open again. I want, I want, I want. Do you think maybe, just maybe, God's trying to show you something about yourself? Galatians 4.16, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Has God become your enemy? Because he's trying to reveal something to you? That you really do have a love for the world? Some latent love or something for the world? Will you do as Job refused to, to do? Will you curse God under your breath? Will you give Satan and the fallen angels' ammunition to accuse the holy God of the universe? Will you undermine God's plan for your life? Will you sully his good name and mar his grace? Why? Why? All because you secretly love the world and all that's in it? I think that's what I'm going to leave you with, my dear friends. And I'll reiterate the following. You have two choices during times of crisis. Moan and curse or thank God for the opportunity to shine by grace. Again, you have two choices. Moan and curse or thank God for the opportunity to shine by grace. Which one do you think God is putting you up to bat to? Go to Matthew 5.14. Matthew five. Verse 14, and then I'll close. Again, those are your choices, my friends. Do you love the world? Do you love it so much that you're going to moan and curse during what a little setback, a little bit of inconvenience, and by the way, an inconvenience that God ordained from eternity past in your life? Or you're going to are you going to see whatever it is that's bothering you through the lens of truth? You're going to let light shine on every crevice of your soul and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to shine. Thank you for allowing me this, this life to live. Why? Matthew 5.14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way let your light shine before others you listening in the same way let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven this is what i want to leave you with my friends now is your time to shine do you understand Now is the time to shine. Nobody shines when everything's hunky-dory. It's when times get tough. It's when God says no. That's the time for you to shine. That's my encouragement. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible privilege of studying your Word. We just ask for continued blessing and guidance, Father, and perseverance, and, and most of all clarity, Father. We're so grateful for your grace and your mercy and your patience with us as we do realize uh, as you re- your spirit reveals it to us that we really do have parts of us that love the world. And this is the source of our misery. Father, thank you for your patience. We just ask for your blessings as we take all the things we've learned back to the privacy of our own souls and our homes and then your your will be done out to a world that's just uh, falling away from Uh, your son. Uh, We pray all these things in the Lord Jesus Christ's precious name by the power of the Spirit. Amen.